amazingly enough, we're up to podcast number 20, what is it, 25? Oh man, let's get started. Hello, how you doing? Welcome to this edition of Home and Garden Radio. I am Michael Kroos, and I am here today to entertain, enlighten, inform. Eh, basically, I'm just here to talk about bugs and plants and whatever else is on my mind. It's been a, a long week. Fall is here. Oh, my, I'm so glad fall is here. You know, the temperatures, you know, they say by tomorrow night, which is Sunday night, we could actually, where I live in West Central Florida, have nighttime temperatures down into the 50s. How does it get any better than that? I, I you know, my brother just went to Nebraska to see his son, and he told me it, you know, he, he left here with 90 degree temperatures, and at night it was the humidity was high and it was hot at night. And he went out there to temperatures in the low 80s during the day and at night in the 50s. And he said it was just, you know, he slept better than he has slept in forever. That he opened up the bedroom window at night and just let the air come in. I have been living in artificially manufactured, conditioned, cooled air now for many, many months. And to be able to breathe fresh air coming in from outside that is not damp and nasty would just be a delight. I am so looking forward to it. So absolutely looking forward to it. Anyway, do you have a good week? Uh, I haven't, but you know, what can I say? Yeah, some weeks are better than others, but you know what? I keep my head up. I keep my feet on the ground and uh, you know, life is good. I didn't mow the lawn this week. Grass hasn't grown that much, but now, you know, we had some rain. I need to get out and mow the lawn. So that is my today, Saturday activity is to go out and mow the lawn. I have had, my brother was away. I've had his dog, Chewy, who is a big boxer and, and a Ophi dog, just the most wonderful, sweetest dog you would ever want to see. And he, he loves me. I'll, I'll tell you who he loves more than me is he loves my brother. When my brother came to get him, you would have thought that it was Christmas all over. He was just so excited to see his daddy. But he enjoyed staying here. He goes out in the backyard and runs all over the place and poops and, you know, does everything he's supposed to do, comes in and, and eats. Now, I have two cats. So it was, it's been a bit problematic having two cats and Chewy because when my brother and I were young, we actually grew up with a boxer by the name of Ike. He was actually Dwight D. Eisenhower, the boxer. Okay, and I got to shut my cell phone uh, sound off here because you may have heard that little thing there. Boom, that's gone. Uh, but uh, we grew up with Dwight D. Eisenhower, the first, our dog. We called him Ike. And, uh, you know, he, he was named that because we got him right after Ike was elected president. We were young babies. We literally grew up with this dog. But the, the thing about you know, some boxers are this way and Ike was this way. We could crawl all over Ike. You know, he would just sit there and look at us and, you know, hug us and kiss us. Uh, but he hated cats. He hated cats. He hated garbage men. But he hated cats more than anything in the world. And he used to kill cats. He was Ike the cat killer. And this was in the 50s, mind you, when you were allowed to, you know, open up the front door. And we lived at 528 West Michigan Avenue in Battle Creek. 
Michigan. And, uh, you know, right across from the Coca-Cola bottling plant. Uh, they had a giant tree out in front of it. But we'd let Ike out, and Ike would go out and do his business and run around the neighborhood a little bit, then he'd come home. Well, he would come home with a dead cat more often, you know, than you would ever care to imagine. So my brother and I got very talented at burying dead cats out in the backyard. Because if Ike got his hands on a cat, that cat was dead, and he would kill it and brought it. So when my brother first... You know, said, I would like you to watch the dog. And we watched the dog for a month here, a couple months ago. And, uh, you know, and I love that dog. I've been up to my brother's house many times and that dog loves me. But I was a little bit worried about the cats. But I think, you know, my brother had to go. He had to go back. He had to go up to Nebraska to see my nephew then, as he just did. So I said, we'll try it. So my brother comes over and he's got the dog. And we, you know, and I've got two cats. And the cats are really cool. And I was just wondering, I put the cats in the bedroom, brought Chewy in. My brother held on to Chewy with the leash, and we let the cats out. We had to see what was going to happen. Cats come out, cats looked him over. He looked over the cats. He didn't bother the cats at all. Cats didn't like him at all. Cats went and hid. I mean, cats were, you know, they were not happy. They were just definitely not happy. Um, but, you know, my brother left, left the cats here. Now, the problem was uh, I keep my kitty litter in a closet in the hallway. I call it the cat's bathroom. And I could not keep the kitty litter there because I found out something about the dog. Uh, And it is what separates us from being dogs. You know, dogs, we think of pets as our, you know, as people, as members of our family, as, as, you know, part of the family. And they're like people too. They're not like people. Okay. They are absolutely not like people. And if you don't believe that, one of the things that Chewy liked to do was wander down the hall to the cat's bathroom. And I will not go into any detail, but I will tell you honestly, that is why they are dogs and we are people. So I had to move the cat's bathroom out of the closet and in here to my studio. And then I got this baby gate thing that I stuck in the door that I had to climb over every time I come in. The cats would go over it. You know, the dog was too oafy to go over it, so he wouldn't get in there. But I had the litter box here in my studio, along with their food and water. And Chewy's food was out in the dining room where the cat's food and water normally was. Well, I got to tell you, it didn't take long before the cats and Chewy got along just fine. And there would be times when I would look at my sofa, and Chewy is laying on the sofa, sprawled out over the whole thing, and the the big cat is laying on the sofa with him, and they're like butt to butt. You know, they, they got their butts touching each other, and they're both sleeping on the sofa. Little cat never quite did that, but the little cat would climb up on the sofa, but he'd never get that close with Chewy. So, you know, Chewy was just here for the better part of three weeks and uh, had a good time, had to move the litter in here to the studio. So for the last two shows, the last two shows... I have had to endure doing the show under not the most ideal circumstances, okay? You know, I just, just not the most ideal circumstances. I couldn't close the door and uh, the, uh, how could I say the ambiance in here was just more than a little bit interesting. Yeah, more than just, but Chewie has now gone home and the cats now, uh, their food is back out into the dining room.
and the litter box is now in the cat's bathroom, which is this little tiny closet. I have this little tiny closet in the hallway, and I never kept anything. It has a shelf up high. I kept some stuff up there. Still is some stuff up there, but I never kept anything in there, no clothing or anything like that, you know, just a little tiny. I don't even know why it's there. It's just there. It's one of those odd closets that they just stuck in there. And that became the cat's bathroom. I ripped the carpeting out of it so it has concrete floor, put the kitty litter box in there. Where When we change the litter, I go in there with the vacuum and vacuum up all the litter that's gotten out of the box, and off we go. Real simple. Real, real simple. I don't Why am I talking about this on the Home and Garden Show? I don't know, because I have things to talk about. I have a lot of stuff to talk about. I went out to, to do fall fertilizing uh, this week. And uh, I uh, fall fertilizing at a friend's house and I've already done fall fertilizing at my house and, but I, I did fall fertilizing at a friend's house. I helped them out and, uh, I went to buy fertilizer and, uh, I buy my fertilizer myself from a commercial outfit. Okay. I, I buy my fertilizer at a place called John Deere, the tractor people. Well, the John Deere tractor people bought out a company in Ohio called Lesco. And Lesco manufactures the best commercial-grade fertilizers on the market anywhere. <clears throat> so I have always bought my fertilizer there. I, I'm licensed. I can go there and do it. So I've always bought Lesco fertilizer to use around the house. Well, I didn't want to go all the way down to Lesco to buy fertilizer. So we went up and bought fertilizer here. Now, one of the things that you need to know about fertilizer is that there is a very few national brands of, of fertilizer. Scott's would be the big one, okay? And Scott's fertilizer is real good. Scott, now, and the other interesting thing about national brands of fertilizer, such as Scott's, is that it is regionally manufactured. There is a place in Sebring, Florida, the place where they have the big races, where they actually manufacture uh, Scott's fertilizer for Florida. They got their own manufacturing. So the Scott's fertilizer that is available in Florida is, um, you know, manufactured there. And it's manufactured to Florida standards. And it, there's other Scott's manufacturing facilities throughout the country. But most fertilizers are not national fertilizers. They are regional fertilizers. They are made by companies that are, you know, in your state where you are. I want to talk about that a little bit more when we come back. So stick with us right here on Home and Garden Radio on the BizTalk Radio Network. and the leaves begin to change colors here in the northern hemisphere. That offers up one more task that we should perform in our garden. Leaves turning into compost, which can be done year-round. Leaves get their nutrients from deep within the soil. The roots of the trees reach down and they get the nutrients, they pull them up into leaves. So when you make compost with leaves, you're getting a really nice, dense and nutrient-dense compost that you can use in your garden. Now, if you read books, they will recommend a 50% ratio of brown material, which can be those leaves, are carbon-based, and 50% green material, which is grass clippings or kitchen scraps. 
this is just a recommendation. You can use one or the other and the ratio can be of any range. Do keep in mind that if you're composting with leaves, this will take longer to break down than a normal 50-50 ratio. An idea for things that you can use in addition to kitchen scraps, you could use, you know, things from if you're carving pumpkins, apples, pears, think of different fall fruits and veggies that may, you may use a lot of that you can apply to this composting situation. With the abundance of leaves that we have in our garden, in our yard, we will make large compost piles with rubber coated fencing in our raised burn garden, or you can do this in your traditional ground garden or raised bed garden. In the spring, as the thaw happens, we will remove the leaves and place them in a, a different location. Then as we work the beds, we will work the leaves into the soil so they can break down over the, the summer months. For more information for leaves and compost, our weekly video productions, as well as our free downloadable digital quarterly magazine where an article on this very topic is written, you can find all that information at the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener. Com. For the health conscious organic gardener worldwide. For gardening in two minutes, I'm Joy Baird. And I'm Holly Baird. And now back to your home and garden guru, Michael Kroos. Do you have German cockroaches in your house? Hey, this week's edition of Home and Garden Radio is brought to you by the good people at HelpIHaveBugs.com. That's HelpIHaveBugs.com. Help, I have bugs.com. Now, if you go to our website, homeandgardenradio.com, you will see a section called Ask Michael. Uh, just click it and go there, and you can actually record a question just for me, and I will answer it. Guess what? Somebody did. Michael, this is Ken in Maryland. Uh, I got a question for you. I bought some grass seed this year, and I noticed the uh, color of the seed is like blue. They look like they put some kind of a dye on the seed. Maybe you can explain why they do that. And also, I like your podcast on your webpage. Be able to listen to the show before uh, Saturday. Thanks a lot. Well, thank you, Ken, for joining us uh, right there at Ask Michael. Uh, section of homeandgardenradio.com. We're thinking of moving that whole thing to another website that we own that is not up yet called Ask the Gardening Geek. And we will, you know, just promote that a lot uh, out on the interweb. You know, I don't know how to do it, but there are other people here that do. And, you know, but I don't know. But right now, if you got a question, just go to Ask Michael. And Ken did. And he wants to know about the dye that is located uh, or that is on the grass seed that he bought. Well, why is it there? Well, it's there for a couple of reasons, uh, actually. And one of the reasons could be it, it could be a way that the seed company dates their seed. Okay, so if, the, if it's blue, it might mean it came from this harvest. Or if it's green, it might come from another. Another reason that it could be there is that it could be a mulch encapsulation on the mulch it could be a material that they are spray on the i'm sorry on the seeds could be a material that they are actually spraying on the seeds that helps the seeds to germinate and uh it is a liquid and they call it a mulch but it kind of keeps it active or keeps it fresh and active for a while so they will do that and you know leave it in there 
and it actually helps the seeds to germinate. But usually when we see the dyes, it's an identifier of the batch of the seeds. But it could be. Now, if it's a little fuzzy when you look at the seeds individually, Ken, if they are if they have like a texture to them that are that is odd, or if you take the seeds in your hand and you kind of mush them a little bit and that stuff comes off and you notice it, then that's what it is. It's a mulch that they're actually spraying on the seed. And it all depends on the seed company and all of that. Which brings me back to fertilizer. Well, it brings me back to fertilizer, but I also want to say I have uh, went out and bought some Argentine Bahia seed that I'm going to overseed my backyard with. And uh, when I overseed my backyard, it's going to be followed. I'm going to overseed the backyard and then I'm going to fertilize it uh, with a, uh, a bag. Well, when I went out with my friend to buy her fall fertilizer, what we bought was a local brand fertilizer. Uh, the brand that we bought was called Sunnyland. Now, I it's made over north of Orlando, Orlando. It's made in Sanford, Florida, which is a beautiful, just a gorgeous, beautiful town north of, of Orlando. And I have used Sunnyland fertilizer in the past for years. Now, I have not used Sunnyland in a number of years, but I used to use it consistently i they had so many blends back in the day they i did notice when i went where did we go we went to lowe's and i did notice that they have very few or at least wise lowe's did i meant to go on their website and i haven't done it uh, to check and see but they have reduced the different blends of fertilizer that they had and another thing that i noticed about the fertilizer that we bought and we bought their citrus fertilizer the reason that we bought the citrus fertilizer and one that I recommend to you, for, for I recommend citrus or fruit tree fertilizer for fertilizing all of your shrubs. And I do this for a number of reasons. If you have any variegated uh, shrubs, like variegated pittosporums, or for that, you know, any type of plant with color to it um, that is out there, color in the leaves, a variation of color in the leaves, I like the citrus fertilizer or the fruit tree fertilizer. Most fruit tree fertilizers, the, the uh, analysis on them is a 468. And that's what I bought. But here's what I was totally disappointed with was the consistency of the fertilizer. All of the particles appear, and this was strange for Sunnyland. I'd never seen Sunnyland do this before. Notice how I don't mind naming names. And I don't know if it was just an odd batch or what, but there was a big consistency in all of the granules, which tells me that the potassium was one size granule, the phosphorus was another size granule, and the nitrogen was yet another size granule. Well, and also, be it, you know, with it being another size, it made it a different weight. So when I used my little hand spreader to put this stuff out in the shrubs, I noticed that the fertilizer wasn't being spread evenly. Some of the nitrogen was going farther than some of the potassium. This isn't good. So when we come back, I'm going to tell you exactly what to look for with any type of granular fertilizer that you go out and get, because this is an important thing. You know, you, you gotta watch this. So stick with us. Home and Garden Radio continues right here on your very favorite radio station in just a few moments.
gardening question? Well, this is the Home and Garden Show. Now, back to Michael. And amazingly enough, it is back to me. Are we having fun yet? I'm not having fun. Here's what you don't know. You've heard two segments of this show so far. We now pre-record this show because the show airs at 4 o'clock in the morning and I'm just not getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning to do a show at 4 o'clock in the morning. Sorry, just not going to do it. Want to, but not that much. Anyway, uh, so I started recording the show at 6.30 in the evening. And we did the two segments. And then I recorded the third segment, the segment that... Uh, well, you should be listening to right now, but you're not. And I was at the end of the segment. And you know, I've been doing this for 26 years. And it's rather amazing when you know that you're on a roll. Okay, when you know that you're on a roll, you're on a roll. By the way, right now, eh, not so much. But you know, when I was recording that segment, I was on a roll. And I was at the last, oh, I was at the last 30 seconds of the segment. And just, you know getting ready to blend in the, the bumper music out. And and the most amazing thing happened. And, and I'm telling you, it was such a good segment. Um, and things were going so well. And I felt so positive. I heard this giant explosion. And the next thing you know, the whole house goes black. The power goes out. And Zach is in the other room, and he, and he goes... Dad, why did the power go out? And I said, who do I look like? Thomas Edison? Um, but anyway, you know, so we go outside and the entire street is out of electricity. And, uh, you know, I, and, I'm, and I was furious. I, I said bad words because, you know, I, I knew that I had lost that whole segment that I had recorded. And by the way, it was a 10 minute and 50 second segment and I, I knew that it was gone. It was gone forever, never to return, and it wasn't coming back. I mean, I was, oh, I was mad. So then I was mad at myself because, you see, I used to have a system in place here where that would not happen anymore. I had a battery backup of everything. I had this giant, and I paid a lot of money for this thing. I had a battery backup that kept the entire computer and audio systems working. I had everything plugged into it. And it was that way for the better part of 12 years. That thing was operating in the studio here and at the studio in the other house. Uh, it, it was in total operation. And then one day, about a year and a half ago, uh, when by the way, when the power went off in the house, you know, and that thing would take over, it, it would last, oh, a good 40 minutes, 40 to, to 60 minutes. And then when it was done, when it was about out of juice, it would start making all these loud, obnoxious noises. And uh, a couple of years ago, about 3 o'clock in the morning, sound asleep, and I hear this thing making loud, terrible noises. And what had happened is it, it, it had just worn out, and it was gone. And uh, it was a, it was one of the expensive ones. I, I believe that when the thing was installed, I think I paid four hundred and fifty five hundred bucks for the thing. But it you know it worked because at the time it was hooked up not only to all the audio equipment but all of the communication, uh, the uh, you know high speed digital communication equipment 
that went back to the network. It was hooked up to that. It kept it going, kept it alive. And at that time, I was doing a live radio show. I was live. I was connected uh, to Stanford, Connecticut, to where the head end of the studios were, you know, where the network was, was located out of. And, you know, we'd have power outages, and we just kept going. But I never replaced that piece of equipment. And, and uh, you know, so when the power went out, the power went out. It was gone. By the way, when something like that breaks, did you know you're not allowed to throw it away? thing weighed about 80 pounds, and you're not allowed to throw it away. I had to wait for one of those special recycling days at the Cooperative Extension Service and, uh, you know, take it down there. I should do a whole show on stuff that you're not allowed to throw away anymore. Like, you're not allowed to throw away light bulbs anymore. You know why? Because the light bulbs now are those little squiggly light bulbs that have fluorescent gas in them. And they, you know, destroy the environment if you if they break. But they're supposed to last for 10 years, except they don't last for 10 years. But that's another story. Anyway, back to the show, back to the fun, back to the show. What I was starting to talk about in the other segment, or what I talked about in the other segment, was fertilizer. And again, I didn't want to get into this long, drawn-out discussion about fertilizer other than particle size. And a good quality fertilizer... All of the particle sizes are going to be the same, and that means the particle sizes of the nitrogen are all going to be the same size as the particle size of the phosphorus and uh, of the potassium. All of those will have the same size and weight, and it's important that they do that because if they don't, if they do not have that same size, well, then what happens is when you are using such as a rotary spreader and you're spreading this out across the lawn or in your landscape, the heavy stuff goes the farthest and the light stuff stays close by. Thus, you don't get an even application of your nutrients. And that's, by the way, what I was experiencing with that, you know, with that citrus fertilizer spreader from Sunnyland. And again, let me just stress I can't stress enough how I have never been disappointed with Sunnyland in the past. And and I admit, it's been a couple of years since I've used Sunnyland, but in the past, I used a lot of Sunnyland brand fertilizers. Wonderful company out of Sanford, Florida, north of Orlando. But this particular fruit tree type fertilizer that they had was uh, just, you know, the particles were all different sizes. And when you spread it out, it just, yeah, you didn't know where what was going where. Now, the, my friend who I was putting it down for, you know, they were fine with it. Uh, you know, David and Peg, they, they, they were fine. You know, they, they said, that's good. We're just going to water it in real good and everything's going to work out. And like, you know, we, didn't, we didn't put it on the lawn. We put it on all of her shrub beds and in all of her flower gardens and everywhere. And, you know, when you use a fruit tree fertilizer, which is generally, like I think I stated before, a four, six, eight, um, you get that. And plus it has a, it had a nice micronutrient package in it as well. And you, you get that wonderful color that, you know, it just comes out of the leaves. You, you just get more vibrant colors. Uh, it, it is just a healthier plant all the way around. But I can't vouch for this one because the particle size was different. And that's what you've got to look for. So generally speaking, when a company makes cheap fertilizer, they just buy the cheapest stuff they can get and throw it all together and blend it all together. Uh, And that's how that works. And, you know, you buy cheap, you get cheap. You get the results. You buy a good quality fertilizer and they're all the particle size are the same. 
The other thing that some fertilizers do is they call, they make homogenous fertilizer, which means they take all of the nutrients and they put it into a vat and they add water to it or some kind of liquid to it and they turn it into like a, a almost like a gel, not a gel, but just like a soupy type material and they blend it all together and then they go through some type of a process where it all comes out to where each granule is the same size and each granule has in it the exact amount of nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium as all the others. They're all exactly the same as far as the nutrients. So you're, you know, whenever, wherever you put it, you're going to get the, the proper ratio of NKP all in those areas. And, you know, but those are very expensive fertilizers. And there was testing done by a very famous agronomist that I follow, and he stated that the heat uh, that is used in that process volatilizes a lot of the nitrogen and a lot of the potassium, so it makes it not as effective, even though it's a more expensive fertilizer. I don't use homogenous fertilizers myself for that reason. I use a good quality fertilizer where all the particles are the same size. And I just, I, it has just come to my attention right now that I am boring myself to tears with this discussion. So if I am boring myself to tears, I must be boring you. Just, you know, you um, you must be asleep. I'm telling, well, you should be asleep. It's four o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the morning or two o'clock in the morning, depending upon what part of the country you're in. Um, unless, of course, you're listening to us on that cute little network out of Utah, which airs the show at eight o'clock in the morning, my time, but I think it's six o'clock in the morning there. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, this is a boring discussion and I've got to stop this. I've got to pop out of this discussion right now and move forward. Just, you know, I, and what I should have done is turned it into like a one minute segment. So that's what I'm going to do right now. Quick one minute segment or less. Hi, this is Michael with a gardening segment. I want to tell you about fertilizers. You want to use fertilizers that all of the particles are the same size and weight. That way you'll get even distribution. So if you open up that bag of fertilizer and all the particles are different sizes, you bought a yucky fertilizer. Make sure you buy a good fertilizer. Hey, this Home and Garden Minute has been brought to you by me. Hey, how's that? See, that whole discussion that I just went through, I encapsulated in less than a minute. We'll be right back. And now back to your home and garden guru, Michael Kroos. Ah, fall. Are we believing it? It's fall. We're in October now. Fall is here. Soon it'll be, gosh, it'll be the holidays. Ugh. And then winter and, and, and cold weather and, and, and Joey and Holly Baird will, will be hibernating in Wisconsin and I'll be down here in Florida freezing when the temperatures drop down into the 70s and 60s and stuff. It's just going to be bizarre. It's just going to be absolutely bizarre. Anyway, what I've neglected to tell you in the last segment is that we, and I, I stated, we re, were recording this show starting at 6.30 in the evening and then had a massive uh, power outage when we were a little, you know, three quarters done with the show and we lost that last segment that I had to re-record that you just now heard the re-recording of it. But I didn't tell you what time it is right now. Right now, 
Understand we started the show at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time when we were recording it. And right now it is 12.37 a.m. So that's how long the power was out. We have underground utilities here. Now, this neighborhood was built in 1972. This house was built in 1973. And at the time, they had modern, up-to-date, underground utilities, underground electrical wires. You know, we don't have electric poles going across our backyards. We simply have, you know, the telephone and everything is, you know, the electrical is all buried. So if a hurricane comes through, it's not going to blow down the power lines. And the thought was, when everybody else says losing power, we will not because all of our utilities are buried. Well, that's 40-some years ago that this has all taken place. And now it is, you know, the soil and the, the moisture from Florida getting into the soil has not been kind to those wires that are under the ground, those electrical wires that are under the ground. And what has happened is that, well, about a week and a half ago, the same thing happened. It happened during the day around the corner from me, and we all lost electricity again. And it, they had to come out, and they had to find where the, the cable was broken under the ground, and then they had to dig it up and fix it. Well, they had to do the same thing here tonight on my street. They had to go and they had all this equipment out here and a whole bunch of power company trucks out here out here and supervisors and everything. And they used this instrument and they found out where the cable was broken again. And they had to dig down and repair the broken cable before we got our electricity back. And now with the electricity back, they're out there, you know, filling in the hole. It's a rather large hole they dug out there because there were several people down there working in it. And now they're filling that all in. And I guess they'll have to lay sod tomorrow or something. I don't know. Totally beyond me. So our modern, you know, wonderful, up-to-date, buried utilities has turned out to be okay for 40 years. But now, you know, and the guy I, ta I talked to, one of the guys, he said, yeah, you're going to have problems like this all the time now because it's at the end of the life cycle. So what the power company, we have Duke Energy, is going to have to do is they're going to have to dig up all this stuff and replace it all. That's going to be expensive. Who do you think is going to wind up paying for that? You know, I guess it's going to be us with higher electrical bills. What can I say? I, you know, totally beyond me, but what do I know? I just know that uh, fall is here. I'll be using less air conditioning and uh, hopefully the power bill will go down to an acceptable level. And hopefully, you know, I can do a lot of stuff outside, which I'm looking forward to. Saturday, which is today that you're listening to, I will be mowing the yard because it didn't get mowed last week. We had too much rain. And the grass didn't grow all that much, but it does need mowing. I was out and looked at it. Oh, and by the way, the other thing that I did today is I helped my neighbor uh, we both got a bad infestation of mole crickets. I treated mine some time ago. Mole crickets are basically crickets on steroids that live in the soil and eat grass roots in the south. And he lost his entire backyard, as did I, and they were now just starting on his front yard. So he's an elderly gentleman, but a really cool guy. 
he bought the stuff and I used my spreader and I went out and I put it all over his yard today and he watered the stuff into his yard and that was good. And whenever you're going to put anything in a granule form, uh, with the exception of baits, but whenever you're going to use a pesticide or fertilizer that's granule, you want to make sure that you water it in because one of the things that, as I've talked about many times, sunlight starts deteriorating pesticides very, very quickly. So you have to put those things down and then you water them in so it gets beneath the soil level and then it gets done. So now Al's got, you know, I put that stuff out and Al, my neighbor, has watered it all in and it's all great. And uh, I'm sure he was tired tonight after helping, you know, after doing the watering. And then the power went out and the air conditioning went out. And it's warm today where I am in Florida. Now, uh, on Sunday, we're supposed to have cool weather. But right now, it's been warm, warm, warm Florida weather. You know, it has been very warm Florida weather. Hey, you know what I want to remind you to do? I want you to remind you to go to the website, Home and Garden Radio. Dot com And I want to remind you, just as the guy did in the first segment of the show or second segment of the show uh, that you heard, you can ask me a question there. Just turn on the microphone on your tablet or your cell phone or, or your computer or whatever you got and ask me a question. And as you see, and if you don't say bad words, and we had someone say bad words this week, so that didn't get aired. Um but, uh, you know, I'll stick it on the show and answer your question. It's just a wonderful thing for you to do. So go to homeandgardenradio.com. Look for the tab up at the very top. It said Ask Michael. And you go to that page, and there it is, and it'll say Ask Michael. And, uh, you know, leave the message. I hear it. I download it, and I stick it in the show, and everything's cool. You know, we have fun. It's, it's just one of those great, wonderful, swell things to do. So, you know, I would highly suggest that you do that. So, hey, that's about going to wrap things up for this edition of Home and Garden Radio. I want to thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week. Take care, everybody. We will see you next time out right here on the BizTalk Radio Network for Home and Garden Radio. You can contact Michael at Home and gardenradio.com that's home and gardenradio.com